be with us this morning, live stream from Ocean County Baptist Church. We're going to be looking in Revelation chapter 20. Uh, Revelation chapter 20. Yeah, I want to share a message in, just entitled and focused on the great white throne judgment of God out of Revelation uh, chapter 20. And while you're opening up there, uh, just remember uh, March the 7th, the first Sunday of March, we're going to be having in-person uh, worship again. Uh, we'll be observing communion that morning. If you're not planning on being in person and you'd like to take communion with us, make sure you get some juice and some uh, wafers and uh, you can partake of that with us as a congregation. And so that's on March the 7th. And so uh, make sure you make note of that. Make sure you uh, send in your offerings, tithes and free will offerings. And uh, even though we're not meeting in person, we're still taking care of our missionaries and other obligations. And so uh, we want to be faithful in our giving. You can go online at ocbcministries.org and click on the Give button there. And uh, you can give that way or mail your offerings in. So, well, we're glad to have you on board this morning as we're going to study the great white throne judgment of God. We're actually focusing today on God's judgments. Uh, this morning we're doing the great white throne judgment. Tonight we'll be doing the judgment seat of Christ. And there are uh, two different judgments dealing with two different individuals for two different reasons. And so uh, be sure to tune in tonight at 6 o'clock as we look at the judgment seat of Christ. Well, Revelation chapter 20 in verse 1 it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the keys of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon and the old serpent, uh, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season." And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years." But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Uh, this is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on which the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison." And shall come out to deceive the nations, uh, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, and the, and the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose the face 
whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in a lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're so thankful uh, to have the word of God in front of us. We're thankful that we can study the scriptures and it gives us uh, hope for the future. Uh, it gives us stern warnings about the future. And certainly, Lord, it gives us a, a sense of urgency that we must share uh, the truths that are found in the scriptures with those that are lost. And uh, Lord, we certainly don't, do not want anyone to have to come to this point uh, in life and eternity that they have to stand at the great white throne judgment of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us this morning to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, that those of us that are saved will develop a sense of urgency to tell others how to be saved. And I would pray if there's someone watching live stream this morning uh, that's not saved. They've never trusted Christ. They've hesitated about receiving him as their savior. They rejected him deliberately. And uh, Lord, they think they'll be able to go on and live through eternity. And yet they're going to be facing this judgment. And so I pray that they might be saved. They might come to Christ this morning. And so bless us as we study the word together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our text verse is in verse 11. It says, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And then in verse 14 it says, And death and hell were cast in a lake of fire, this is the second death. And so the great white throne judgment of God and uh, Christ is sitting on the throne. He's sitting there as the eternal judge. And every individual who's ever been alive on this earth who have rejected Jesus Christ are going to have to stand before the Lord and give an account of their life. And uh, uh, this, this matter of the great white throne judgment takes place at the end of the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. And we know prophetically we're looking at uh, the next event is the rapture of the church, rapture of the believer. After that, it is the tribulation period. And then there's a thousand-year reign of Christ and then the great white throne judgment. It really is a fulfill fulfillment of Hebrews chapter 9 and 27, where it says it's appointed unto man but once to die, but after this, the judgment. Remember years ago, I witnessed to a friend of mine after I got saved, and he said, oh, I don't need to be saved. I don't want to uh, do anything, surrender my life to God. He said, well, I know I'm going to hell, and when I get there, I'm going to be playing poker and drinking beer with my friends. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, you're not going to be playing poker and drinking beer with your friends in hell. Uh, it is a place of eternal judgment that comes on the person who rejects Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
And this event of Christ sitting on the great white throne and casting that judgment on people is a fulfillment of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. You know, Jesus warned in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, And fear not them which kill, uh, which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, we, we've lost a sense in uh, the American church, I think, a sense of, of having a fear of God. Uh, we have so downplayed the reality that God is a just and holy God that we no longer fear God and we feel that we can continue to live our life as we please and not have to fear the wrath and the judgment of the sovereign almighty God. Uh, Jesus said, listen, don't worry about those that can kill your body. There's many things kill this body. This body is so frail. I tell you, it doesn't take much to take the life out of a body, human body. But he said, don't worry about that. Don't fear those that can kill the body. You need to fear the one who can destroy the soul and the body in hell. And so man needs to have a reverence or a fear of God Almighty. In uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But yet we have so portrayed God as this loving uh, uh, friend, and he is, uh, he loves us with a love that is an everlasting love. But his love does not do away with his justice. We have portrayed Jesus Christ as nothing more than a friend. And we have forgotten that he is the eternal God. Uh, we, have, we have created an idea that God uh, is always caring and always gracious. And he does not cast judgment on mankind. But the great white throne judgment reveals to us there is a final facing with, man, with God that every man has to do. And he's facing the judgment and the wrath of an almighty God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Robert Covid said this, The fear of God is as much a principle needing to be impressed upon the believer's mind as the love of God. This is one of the truths which the Christians of our day are endeavoring to shake off. Uh, we, we have, with this whole concept of, uh, of uh, seeker-friendly churches and this whole concept that we have to try to fit into the world and try to adapt to the movements that are in the world has created within Christianity a God that is not the God of the Bible. I'm working on a message now dealing with the Antichrist. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the individual himself. I'm talking about the spirit of Antichrist. And the spirit of Antichrist is in our churches because of the fact that we have created a God that doesn't match the God of the Bible. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there is a judgment day that is coming where every man and woman and boy and girl who rejects Jesus Christ as their personal Savior will stand before God and and as this Revelation 20 tells us, that death and hell is going to be cast in the lake of fire. And that's forever and ever and ever. So the great white throne judgment. 
I want to think of a few things about this judgment this morning. Because verse 11 says, I saw a great white throne, and he that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. In other words, there's no place to hide when you have to stand in the presence of God. There is no place to hide when you must give an account for your life and your rejection of Christ. So when we look at this verse, we have to consider, first of all, the souls that are in judgment. The souls that are in judgment. Notice in verse 4 of the chapter. It says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. The souls of those that are in judgment. Notice, first of all, it is not the church age saints. In other words, anyone who trusts Christ as their Savior right now, uh, before the, uh, uh, the tribulation, before the uh, um, a thousand year reign of Christ, and before the time of standing before God at the great white throne, if you trust Christ as your Savior, uh, this great white throne judgment is not a judgment for you. And so it is not the church age saints. It, it, those who live for God and died in Christ, we know will be raptured. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us that, the, that when Jesus comes and the trump of God sounds, that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air uh, to meet the Lord in the air. I'm sorry. And so he says, wherefore comfort one another uh, with these words. And so uh, it's not a comfort to the believer in Christ to think that once one day I'm going to stand before the great white throne judgment of God. No, it's not for us. That's why we're going to be looking at the judgment seat of Christ tonight. The, this great white throne judgment is for the purpose of casting those that are uh, uh, wicked and those who have refused Christ into the uh, pits of hell through torment throughout all eternity. But if you're in Christ Jesus, your sins have already been judged at Calvary. If you're in Christ Jesus, uh, you do not have to answer for your sins because it's under the blood and it's been atoned for. So the souls that are being judged here in this chapter of Revelation uh, is not dealing with the church-age saints uh, because they will be raptured into the presence of the Lord. Uh, those who are in Christ come with Christ when he comes to judge us earth in, uh, at the end of the thousand-year reign. 
And I'm thankful that the Lord not only saves us and secures us, but he uh, it brings us with him when he comes to do wrath and the judgment on this earth. During the thousand-year reign of Christ, uh, believers in Christ will be ruling and reigning with the Lord. Uh, there'll be multitudes that will be saved uh, during the thousand-year reign of Christ. There'll be multitudes that will be born physically into this world uh, who will have to succumb to the authority and the rule by, uh, with the rod of iron of Jesus Christ during that thousand years. Uh, but the reality is, at the end of the thousand years, uh, Satan will be loosed for a season, and when he's loosed for a season, he'll uh, bring a rebellion against Christ, and there'll be thousands and thousands of people out of the thousand millennial year reign of Christ uh, that will reject the Lord, and they will have to stand at this great white throne judgment. First of all, it's not the church age saints, and secondly, those being judged here are not the tribulation saints. Uh, because it tells us here, he says, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And so this great white throne judgment has nothing to do with the church age saints, and it has nothing to do with the tribulation saints. In Revelation chapter 7, we read about those uh, that come through the tribulation in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14. And it says, I saw him, uh, uh, I said unto him, I'm sorry, I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, and he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation, and here it is, and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And so there's the saints of God during the church age at the end of the church age, are raptured or taken up into heaven. Those that die in Christ will go into the presence of the Lord immediately. So they're not standing at this great white throne judgment. But we have these that are in the tribulation period, who refuse to take the mark of the beast, who by faith worship and serve the living God, who are martyred in their faith. They're not standing before God. Uh, it, during this great white throne judgment uh, because of the fact they are ever in the presence of the Lord worshiping him because they were delivered by the blood of the lamb that was shed. So the souls in the judgment that are here, it's very clear it's not those from the church age. It certainly is very clear that it's not from those that are out of the tribulation period who trusted the Lord as their savior. However, it is those that have not been saved, and we could identify them as the wicked. And uh, verse 5 says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until a thousand years were finished, and this is the first resurrection. There are those who reject Christ as their Savior, and so they live their lives 
in an attitude of rejection of Christ. And uh, listen, there are many, John is, deals with this in 1 John and also in 2 John. John deals with this, that there are many uh, antichrists that are going out, many deceivers that have gone out. And who are they? They are these people who have an attitude of rejecting Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1 and verse 11, it says, Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. In verse 12, it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so the reality is, there are multitudes of people on the face of this earth that have an attitude of rejection of Jesus Christ. I talk to people all the time, and, and uh, oftentimes well, I'll ask people about receiving Christ as their Savior. Oh, I don't want to talk about Jesus. Oh, they might want to talk about their sports. They might want to talk about their job. They might want to talk about their investments. They might want to talk about their immoral lifestyles, but they don't want to talk about Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because they have an attitude of antichrist. And the attitude is that I don't need to receive Christ as my Savior. Well, you can have that attitude and you can reject him. But in Revelation chapter 20, it tells us you're going to be standing at the great white throne judgment of God. And so the, those that will be there are those who have an attitude of rejection of Christ. But they also live their lives under the shadow of the judgment of God. If you like, you can turn over to John chapter 3. They live their life under the shadow of the judgment of God. In John chapter 3, in verse 18, says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. See, oftentimes people have this spirit, they think, well, I'll be under, I'll have to face judgment, I'll deal with judgment in the day when I am standing before God. But the reality is you're already under the shadow of judgment. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we're forgiven and we're, we're set free from the bondage of sin. Uh, we've been delivered from the condemnation of God. But those who have not been saved, you have not been born again, you are already under the judgment of God. And there, there, who knows how long it's going to be before the rapture will take place. We know there's seven years of tribulation that will have to take place. We know that there's a thousand years reign of Christ that's going to take place. We know that you're not going to live for all those years, but leave. that's why the Bible says that Death and hell delivered up the dead. The sea delivered up the dead. Why? Because every individual who has an attitude of rejection of Christ is living under the shadow of the judgment of God. In John chapter 3 and verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Um, he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. In other words, there is no time in your life as someone who has rejected Christ and have never been saved, there is not a moment, not one moment in your life 
where you're not under the wrath of God. You might be enjoying the sunshine today, and it's a beautiful day, but you understand the Bible's clear that the sun rises on the just and the unjust. Whatever you can experience in your life that may be considered good is because of God's blessing on his people. And uh, you are under the wrath and the shadow of the judgment of Almighty God. And so those that are standing at the great white throne or have not been saved, they're wicked because they're at it, they have an attitude of rejection of Christ. They're living under the shadow of the judgment of Christ. And then they're taunting the God of judgment. And in uh, Micah chapter 2, I think I, no, I want to be in Malachi. I'm in the wrong book. Went too far back. In Micah chapter 2, it's the last book of the Old Testament, so it's real easy for you to get to if you want to turn over in Micah, uh, sorry, Malachi chapter 2 in uh, verse 17. It says, Ye have wearied the Lord with your words, yet ye say, Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, Everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he that delighteth, he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? That is a taunting of God who is the God of judgment. When you think you can live a life that is wicked in rejection and rebellion of God, and you can try to declare yourself as good and that God will be accepting of you. It won't happen. Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. There is a judgment day coming that is called the great white throne of God that is going to deal with man's taunting, saying, I don't need to get right with God. I don't need to repent. I can continue to live as I please. Don't you tell me how to live my life when we have the authority of the word of God to back up the requirements of the lifestyle of the individual. When you reject that, you are taunting God. And I'm going to tell you there is a day when you're going to answer to God Almighty at the great white throne. So we see the souls in the judgment. In verse 12 of our chapter, this is Revelation 20, in verse 12 we see the source of judgment. Notice in verse 12, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And so the source of judgment. First of all, I see this. The book, I believe, is speaking about the word of God. And uh, the word of God will be present uh, when you're standing before the judgment of God. In John chapter 12 and verse 48 says, He that rejecteth me, this is Jesus speaking, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in that last day. Be assured of this, that when you stand at the great white throne of, of uh, God, you stand before the great white throne of the judgment of Christ. 
There'll be one that judges you, and it'll be this book right here, the Word of God. In other words, when it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, you will not be able to stand and say, but I was a good person. I wasn't a sinner. When the Bible says, thou shalt not, and you live contrary to what God says, thou shalt not, you'll have one that will condemn you right here. The book will be open. And so that's why we believe that the word of God is the final authority for faith and practice. Why? Because the one that will judge you at the great white throne is going to be what God has so stated in his word. Precious is the word of God. Why? Because it determines man's destiny. In uh, John 10, 28, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's your destiny. It declares, it de describes, it determines this is where you're going to be, this is what you're going to do, this is how you're going to live. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 1979, I got saved, and when I got saved, my whole life changed. First of all, my residency in heaven changed. Without Christ as my Savior, I was doomed to stand at the great white throne judgment of God and doomed to spend eternity in hell. But when I trusted Christ as my Savior, now heaven is my home. Now Jesus is my God. Now my life is going in a totally different direction. Why? Because it is the word of God that determines your destiny. But yet so many live their life rejecting what God has to say. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to come back to haunt you. Because when you stand before Christ, the book will be opened. And it will so declare what you rejected. I see another thing here. Why the word of God's going to be there? Because not only does it determine man's destiny, but it illuminates all distractions. And this is what I mean by that. You know, when, when Peter went into the house of Cornelius, Peter was a Jew, Cornelius was a Gentile. God would so direct those two to get together so that uh, Peter should share the gospel with Cornelius and his family. And Peter's response was this, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. In other words, he reveals all the distractions that causes us to reject Christ. Cornelius, you could have said, well, I'm a, I'm a Gentile. And I'm a Gentile and Jesus was a Jew. You know, the, the, the Peter could have, have re, uh, rejected Christ as his personal savior in wanting to continue in his business of being a fisherman. I mean, God reveals, he illuminates all the distraction. What distraction is in your life that's keeping you from coming to Jesus Christ? Well, I enjoy the lifestyle in. God knows what lifestyle you're in. It, you're not hiding it from God. Well, well I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person, I just kind of am my own person. I live my life as I please. Uh, wait a minute. God already knows about what you're doing. He is no respecter of persons. In other words, God's not going to look at me 
and say he'll save me and then look at you and say he won't save you. Uh, God is no respecter of persons. He, uh, he requires of every one of us the same response. Peter as a Jew, Cornelius as a Gentile, both had to respond to Jesus Christ by receiving him as their personal Savior. And so Peter's conclusion was that God eliminates all the distractions. He gets everything out of the way so the way to Christ might be open. When we stand before the great white throne, there is going to be the word of God there. But it also says here uh, that it will be uh, the book of life. He says, I saw another book was open, uh, which is the book of life. And uh, the book of life, I believe, is this matter of recording everything in your life. In Matthew chapter um, 12 and verse 36, Matthew 12 and 36, we see that the word of life examines, examines a man's works. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse 36, says, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Every idle word. Any moment you took the name of God in vain. Any moment you spoke oh, uh, hateful words towards your brethren. Any moment that you desired lust in your heart towards a woman or towards a man. Uh, whatever it may be. Uh, that is takes up in your life, you will have to give an account before God for every decision you make, for every comment you make. The book of life examines man's works because it records everything that man has done. But the book of life also uh, punishes man according to his works. And uh, so, the, listen, the justice of God, uh, in other words, God's not going to punish me for what you do. Uh, every person has to give an account of himself before God. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 27 says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. In other words, the book of life will be there because of the fact that the book of life is the means through which your life will be examined. It is the means through which you'll receive rewards or loss of rewards. But you are going to give an account of your life before God Almighty. And that will be take place at the great white throne judgment for the unsaved. And so the book, the word of God is there. The book of life is there. Uh, the Son of God is there. And Jesus Christ is the one who is sitting on the throne. And that's why in, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so at the great white throne judgment, the Son of God is there casting judgment on mankind. So we see the souls of the judgment. We see the source of the judgment. And then last, I see the sorrow of the judgment. 
Revelation chapter 20 in verse 14, it says, In death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is a second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so we, we see the sorrow of the judgment. It's an all-encompassing judgment. And it says here uh, that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. It's an all-encompassing judgment. Uh, those who had previously died when they were lost are going to be judged. They may have died without Christ. When you die without Christ, you immediately go to hell. You're immediately separated from the Lord. And, but it's not over because it, you may die and go to hell today and it may be another 1,500 years or 2,000 years before the great white throne judgment takes place. But I'll guarantee you, no matter how much longer it will be, you will remain in hell until the great white throne judgment where you'll be brought out of hell and you're going to have to give an account of God, uh, your life before God. So those who previously died and went to hell. Revelation chapter 21 in verse 8 says, But the fearful, unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I mean, people say, I haven't ever killed anybody. I've never committed adultery. I never stole. I never done. Do you ever lie? Because it, all liars are included in those that will spend eternity in hell and those that will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's an all-encompassing judgment because it will judge those who previously died in a lost state. Now, I'll tell you, it's, it's a terrible thing to think that somebody would die and not be saved. I, 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 I can't comprehend it. I know a lot of people who have died, and I have done funerals of people who absolutely rejected Christ as their Savior. And it's a difficult thing, because the reality is they will stay in the grave, they will stay in hell, until they have to stand before Christ at the great white throne judgment. It's a horrible thought. A horrible thing. But there's those who live until this judgment day. You say, well, who are they? They're the ones that go through the millennial reign of Christ. It's always an amazing thing to me to think that for a thousand years, Christ will reign on the throne of David with a rod of iron. Man will be required to bow down and worship him. And after a thousand years of Christ reigning in a perfect environment, where the lamb lies down with the lion, where everything is at peace, where everyone is in harmony, and the devil is loosed at the end of a thousand years, and he leads a rebellion. Why? Because they may have been serving Christ out of duty, but it was not out of a heart of love. And they'll be exposed, and when they are exposed, at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, uh, they will reject Christ, and they will have to stand at the, judge, the great white throne judgment of God. And so it's an all-encompassing judgment. In other words, there's not one individual who rejects Christ 
that will escape that day of standing in his presence. So it's an all-encompassing judgment. I see also it's an awesome, unremitting judgment. In other words, the judgment doesn't let up. Uh, there's no reprieve. Uh, there's no easing off. Uh, in Luke chapter 16, we'll look at a couple of things in Luke 16. You know, we live in a world that, that casts judgment on somebody who commits a crime and then afterwards wants to, to forgive them of that crime. I was just listening to thinking on the news this morning. They're talking about, you know, with uh, New Jersey uh, proving uh, uh, recreational use of marijuana and all this, that, and the other. And the major issue, the major issue is what do you do about minors who smoke marijuana? Oh, well, we can't judge them. Oh, we'll give them a warning. There's a three-step thing that they're going to have to go through if they get caught doing it. And they're even talking about lowering the age of drinking in New Jersey to accommodate this whole thing. Why is that? Because man, in his sinfulness, tries to orchestrate opportunity to be able to satisfy his sinfulness. But I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't going to happen before God. Because when God casts his judgment, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. And God is loving and God is caring and God has shown his love to this world because his son, Jesus Christ, died on this world, on the cross in this world. And he died for the purpose of bringing the love of God to a sinful man. So that he might be saved, he might be redeemed. A man says, I don't want anything to do with it. And I'm going to tell you, the longer we are rejecting Christ, the farther we get away from Christ, the more corrupt our society becomes. The sorrow of judgment, it's an awesome, unremitting judgment of God. There'll be no reprieve. There'll be no parole. There'll be no release. There'll be no, oh, there's sickness in the jail, so we need to release the prisoners uh, because of COVID-19. So we're going to release prisoners out of, uh, out of the prisons and release them from their required judgment and justice that needs to be. Uh, no, listen, there will be none of that foolishness in the presence of an almighty, holy, righteous God who is the judge of all the earth. First of all, I see in Luke chapter 16 and verse 23, there's a place of torment. Notice in Luke chapter 16 and verse 23, in hell, and in hell, this is the rich man when he died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torments. It didn't say torment, it says torments. Torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And so it's a place of physical torments that man goes through. And uh, uh, there, there's never a reprieve. There is never a letting up of the pain and the suffering that goes on in hell. And so as he is in hell, he lifts up his eyes. And while he's lifting up his eyes, he is in torments. So it's a place of physical torment. Notice it's also a place of emotional torment torment. 
uh, because he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now remember, Lazarus was the beggar. Lazarus was the one who had nothing in this world. Lazarus is the one who suffered in the presence of this rich man. But now he sees Lazarus comforted. He sees Lazarus being taken care of uh, in the presence of God. And so he is tormented emotionally. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 9 and verse 33, If I hand offend thee, cut it off. Why, it's better to go into this world maimed with only one hand than to enter into hell with both of your hands and be in torment. He said, if your foot offend thee, if I, I offend thee. He said, cut them off. Why? Because of the fact he is dealing with the reality of continued unfulfilled desires that you emotionally have to deal with in hell. Jesus said, where the worm dieth not. And what I understand about that is the worm that dieth not is dealing with the thoughts, the memories, the emotions, the desires, everything that you've had in this life and was never satisfied. You're longing for and desiring. I, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to do things. That's why the, my foot, I need to, I need, I need to make sure that it, that if it offends me, I need to cut it off because whatever I'm desiring to do in my travel, in my life, in the places I go, and how I live, I'll never get over it in hell. My eye, you've been on the internet and you're looking at pornography and you're lusting after women and you're living a life that's a life of reproach and debauchery and wickedness. You think it's bad right now, wait till you get to hell. See the emotional distress that you'll be in. It's not only a place of physical torment and a place of emotional torment. It is a place of isolation. Because it says in Luke 16, he says, He cried to Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. That's the physical pain, for I'm tormented in this flame. That's the emotional pain. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And may I say, that is the difference. That is the difference of receiving Christ or rejecting Christ. You receive Christ, even in death we are comforted, because Paul said, I'm confident rather to say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we are comforted, but those who reject Christ are tormented. And not, not just that only, in verse 26. And beside all this, if that's not enough suffering, beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. It's a place of isolation. They talk about COVID-19, about the stresses, emotional distresses, and increases in and suicide, and all this, that, and the other in our country because of the fact that people are alone. People are struggling with isolation. 
They don't have that human contact. They don't have that emotional connection. They're not enjoying those family relationships. And as a result of it, it's overcoming them. I'm going to tell you, the isolation in hell will torment you for all eternity. Because you can't get out of there to get to heaven. And nobody in heaven can get out of heaven to come and try to comfort you. It's a place where there's a great gulf fixed. And it's a place that is identified in Matthew as a place of outer darkness. There'll be no partying. There'll be no rejoicing. There'll be no hanging out with your friends. Because you won't be able to see them. You won't be able to respond to them. You, you emotionally will be distressed where you cannot even create a reasonable thought process the physical pain in your body will be so devastating that just the thought just the thought of maybe a drop of water on my tongue would give me relief the sorrow the judgment the great white throne judgment there, there's there's nothing rejoicing at the great white uh, white throne judgment there's souls of judgment. It's not the church. It's not the tribulation saints. It's the, anyone who is unsaved who reject Christ as their Savior. The source of the judgment is the word of God in the book of life that examines everything that you've ever done in your life. And the judge is Jesus himself. He is the judge of all the earth. The sorrow of the judgment is it's an all-encompassing judgment. In other words, you're not going to escape one aspect of judgment, and it's unremitting. In other words, it does not let up or give up or release you from your obligations to give an answer to the God who is holy and righteous. I remember an old song years ago. It used to go like this. It said, Lord, I want to go to heaven because hell is such an awful place. And folks, I want you to know, I want you to know this morning that hell's an awful place. And without Christ, that's the only thing you have to look for. If you're saved today, you're a child of God, this message ought to stir you the desire to be a greater soul winner. This message ought to stir you to overcome your fears of talking to others about Christ because, listen, their rejection of you uh, certainly does not weigh in an equality of the suffering they're going to experience in hell. So this message ought to stir every believer. To say, I'm going to do all that I can to get folks saved and get them born again. But I'm telling you, if you're watching, you happen to tune in, and you're not saved... I'm telling you, there's something awful waiting for you. You die in this life, you go straight to hell. And you'll remain in hell until the judgment seat of Christ, I'm sorry, the great white throne judgment of Christ. And then you'll have to stand before him and be cast back into hell throughout all eternity. And the only, listen, the only thing, the only thing that can deliver your soul is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I came into this world that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. 
Jesus said, I have come, uh, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus did not come into this world to establish a religious organization. He came into this world to deliver the souls of men and women and boys and girls. And God loves you this morning. And God desires to give you eternal life, but you have to come to Christ. And you have to come to Christ alone. There's no other means. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's a day coming when the great white throne judgment of God's going to take place. And it is so severe. In our chapter, it said this, that heaven and earth fled away from his face. Literally, all that this world is, all that this atmosphere and everything that we can comprehend and take into our minds and try to grasp with the reality of what it is, it flees, it flees, it runs away from the presence of the judge of all the earth. And to think that if you reject Christ, you're going to have to stand in that environment before a holy God. And you'll be no pleading your case. There'll be the announcement of judgment. The great white throne judgment. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that if someone's watching is not saved, I pray they would receive Christ as their Savior. I, I would pray for every believer that you would stir our hearts with a greater burden to try to win the loss to Christ. Lord, the only answer to the problems in the world and the only answers to the eternality of our soul is Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. And so, Lord, I pray, I do pray um, that you would break our hearts. And I pray that you might save someone. Now, if you're listening, before I close in prayer, you're not sure you're saved, I'd like to pray a prayer of salvation. And may I say this, a prayer, the words I'm going to say is not going to get you saved. But you have to have a heart that's surrendered. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe thy, in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Where with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're under conviction this morning and you want to be saved this morning, uh, please pray a prayer similar to what I'm going to pray right now. And then let us know if you do that. We want to be a help to you. You say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm destined for hell because the Bible says so. And so, Lord, in faith, I'm believing this morning. In faith, I'm calling upon Jesus this morning. In faith, I'm crying out to you, Lord, to save me, to forgive me, to give me everlasting life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, please get a hold of us and let us know. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that God is gracious enough and loving enough to save your soul. So you don't have to face the great white throne judgment of God. And so let's thank the Lord for this message. Lord, thank you for this time together this morning. Bless us, uh, use us, move in us, help us, O oh God, to show the truth of the scriptures and the love of Christ uh, that can save the soul of anyone. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.